boy, oh boy, you know, if they heard a horse. I will be livid if they heard a horse. everyone and welcome to the two takes on film podcast i'm heather wyatt is also here i am you are um and you know tonight we're recording on march 14th 2021 yeah it is pie day i just realized that now did you have any pie no i rarely (laughs) eat pie i feel like i only eat pie on like thanksgiving yeah christmas do you eat a christmas Uh, pie maybe maybe just like the holidays now i'm this is completely unplanned and i have no idea what you're about to say but i have a very important question for you Mm -hmm. do you prefer your pumpkin pie cold or hot cold interesting yeah with whipped cream yes with whipped cream okay not with Cool Whip. My family's big on like. Not cool with whip. Cool Whip. With whipped cream. I don't like Cool Whip. I mean, I don't dislike Cool Whip. I just prefer whipped cream. Yeah. I. I'm not a big fan of like with sweet things, them being super hot. Like, hmm. I know I love donuts. Those are like my favorite like sweet, thing. I don't know junk food. Whatever. Sweet thing. Sweet thing. Um. I absolutely love donuts, but I don't like donuts that are like, okay, this to say, I don't like them is, is incorrect. I'm just saying some people like seek after, like you talk about Krispy Kreme and you can see them being made and then they get them and like immediately it's like cotton candy. You know what I mean? You can't even chew it. It just melts in your mouth. Yeah. Not a huge fan of that. I enjoy them, but I actually like to like, like eat, like have the glaze sit a little bit or like Mm. whatever. I don't, I don't need them cold necessarily, Yeah, but or like stale or anything like that. I'm not saying sure, I sure, like sure. donuts days after the fact. Of course. But, and, and same, I'm not a big fan of things just like melting right when they hit your mouth. Like I don't even, I don't like con candy. Um, the, the, first of all, the taste is just like so much. I just love so much candy. Sugar. I know. I'm, I love I, it. you didn't have to tell me that. I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also just the texture, like, I don't enjoy eating. It's just weird. I don't know. I, I don't like that. And so same with pumpkin pie. I feel like when pumpkin pie is really hot, mm-hmm. it'll literally just melt. Like besides the crust, it'll just yeah. melt. In mouth. And I'm not, I don't know. I like to. That's interesting. I like to feel what I'm eating. Sure. I like to. Huh. Like, <laughs> no, that's, uh, that does sound strange. But I mean, <laughs> I guess that is a correct sentence. I like to yeah, feel the texture. It's like it. a texture situation. Maybe that's even kind of why like Cool Whip it's too well, airy no no because no, i feel like cool up is thicker than whipped cream but it's just like kind of liquidy like if you leave cool up on top of your pie for a couple minutes it like yeah, starts running sure. and stuff for like sure. it just becomes part of it whereas whipped cream feels like a actual topping that's now yeah. like an addition to what you're eating yeah did you ever put your cool whip in the freezer um i don't know I don't you should think try it sometime did. And not it's that, just like ice cream yeah it's kind of like ice cream it just melts slower you mean yeah it melts slower it, get runny as it gets a little icy 
but in it like a freeze, good way. Though, does it? Mm, not it's it can't completely get solid like an ice cream, mm-hmm. but it can get kind of solid. <laughs> kind of solid. Kind of solid. I don't know how that. to how to explain yeah. it, but okay. And this is a fine question now because we're, we we were talking about pie and then we were just talking about ice cream not that long ago yeah oh yeah what is your how do you feel about pie and the overall i guess maybe we already kind of answered this because we both said that we don't really eat pie that often but yeah in the overall like kind of um dessert family yeah ice cream cake pie yeah. brownies uh, cookies i don't know whatever yeah. where does pie fall in that for you I would say it definitely falls toward the bottom of the list, the mm-hmm. category. Um, ice cream is most definitely on top. I love ice cream. I can yeah. have ice cream all the time. So many flavors. So delicious. I love ice cream. Um, I am a baker. And mm-hmm. so a good like cake or cupcake is fabulous. A good cookie. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, brownies fine not necessarily what i gravitate towards maybe but corner um, or middle like or like edge or middle yeah i'd say edge yeah definitely i like the crunchy because i like with to a, feel my food <laughs> interesting yeah. Yeah. uh yeah i like the crunchy crispy of the edge but then you also get some of the soft it feels like mm-hmm. best the best of both worlds mm-hmm. um and i don't i guess i don't know what other Categories. I feel like that's that kind of like covers it. Yeah, and, and, and cookies, brownies are kind of just like baked goods. Yeah, sure, kind of sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, pie. Um, other than like Thanksgiving and Christmas, we really didn't eat it at my house. Mm-hmm. Big, big ice cream fans at my house. Um, but there is a girl that I worked at camp with in college, and she has started a pie company she did years ago called Emporium Pies. Mm. It's in Texas and their pies that they make look amazing. The flavors look amazing, but I've never, I've never had it because it's in Texas, but I just recently found out that they ship to the West coast now. And so I've got to get one. You need to order one. Today is the day. It's pie day. Well, it feels a bit late. There's that they were I'm sure you can like order it tonight and they just see it tomorrow. Oh, I know. I know. Uh-huh. But I think I have to, I don't know if I can make such an impulsive decision right now. I'm saying now's the time to make it. It's kind of a now or never. If you don't right now, you're not now or never. going to. Maybe not now or never. But like we were talking about earlier, when you, it's like you're thinking about it now. It's yeah, high yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's true. Know, stars have aligned. It's time to just, it's time to pull the trigger. It is true because I did see that days ago that they now ship to the West Coast. Or maybe yet. they have for a while, yeah, and I have are. yet to actually purchase one. So there you go. Who knows? Maybe by the end of this episode, I'll have a pie on the way from Texas. You're gonna purchase it during this episode? I don't know. Anything could happen. We've just started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I pie is interesting to me because I've there's always been certain type of like sweet things that I don't really like. I don't like cake. Um, hmm. And I never have, like, growing hmm. up, I always had root beer floats for my, like, birthday party. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and then. Wait, I have a question. Would you, for your guests, would they only get the option of root beer? Or did they have options of other flavors of soda? Root beer and Dr. Pepper. Oh. 
of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually more so Dr. Pepper floats and yeah. you have a root beer one if you yeah. want to. <laughs> um, but so I, I've never liked cake and I've, I've never been a huge fan of brownies. Um, and then on, like it's only gotten more so that in the past, maybe three or four years, I've just like almost stopped eating sweet stuff entirely. Like I oh don't eat sweet things. Well, I mean, you know this, we've talked about this. I love dark chocolate. Dark chocolate's like my favorite candy. Yeah. But besides that, I really don't. Randomly, occasionally I'll crave like pure sugar, like a gummy bear or something. But even then mm. it's like, mm, you know, that sounds good. I could have like one or two of those, but then I have yeah. to stop. But I mean, like, I don't eat, I mean, like, you know, at work we have like cake pops and, and, yeah. and brownies and cookies and this and stuff. I have never eaten a single one of them. Like Interesting. that's just, I cannot handle oh, a cake do you pop. Crave, so rich. Do you crave salty things? Yes. Yeah. I love salty things. What's your like go-to salty so, craving? Well, popcorn's a big one, which, you sure. know, movies, like makes that sense. makes sense. I always say when people ask like my favorite food, like donuts is like kind of one of my favorite foods, but that's not really a food. I love Hawaiian food as far as like meals go. But if I'm really being honest with myself, movie theater popcorn is my favorite food. And it's like not even yeah. close. Yeah. Not only how much I love it, but just like how much it ties into my life or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's like something that I don't, you never think about when someone asks you that question. Yeah. But it's like, if you actually think to, if I actually stop to consider it as an option, then it blows everything out else out of the water. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I really stopped eating sweet stuff. So that's really eliminated. Like I don't like cookies. I don't like brownies. I don't like cake. I don't really eat ice cream. I like ice cream. I like mm-hmm. the versatility of it, but like we like, we'll go get ice cream or whatever. And I'll eat like a couple bites and feel done with it already. Mm. And like my dad to this day, <laughs> We just saw because I'm recording at home today because there is it's snowing outside and the place where I usually record the reception is not uh, not, not having it to today. Go. Yeah, it's not working. So I'm at home and my father came out to get his his uh, daily nightcap. Yeah, 10 p.m. bowl of ice cream with my dog. <laughs> um, literally has done that every day that I've been alive, like as far as I can remember. And yeah. um. I did too for a long time and, and I can't remember the last time I've had like ice cream with them, hmm. you know, so it's strange. Um, donuts are still like one of my favorites, but it's kind of the same thing. Like I couldn't just eat a bunch of donuts in a row. I'd have yeah. to be like selective. Like sure. before when I'd go to a new donut place, I'd be like, oh, I'll take, you know, one of everything because I want to yeah. try it all. Now it's like, now I really got to choose what I want because I know yeah. once I eat one, I'm going to kind of feel done. Oh, totally. I feel so old saying this. That's sad. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> saves me money, saves I mean, me calories, probably, yeah. saves me sugar. Um, but pie, pie, like I don't consider it as one of my favorites, but I think it genuinely is, especially hmm. now that like pies are usually more on like the not savory side, but yeah. like they're not usually or, super sweet. Right. You don't have pies where the filling, well, occasionally, but it's not super common to just have like a chocolate pie. I guess that is like fairly common, but I'm saying they're, I feel like they're more considered like apple, cherry, Yeah. you know, here in Oregon, like everywhere has like Marionberry pies and hmm. they're absolutely amazing. So like, I don't really ever eat them that much because like my family never really buys them. So I never really buy them. And like, 
I never think to get them at places that have them, but when like considering it like a, a berry, like a Marion berry pie with like vanilla ice cream is mm. definitely, I would prefer that to almost any other kind of dessert. So they are up there. I just like, I feel like it's a, so what I'm, what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to yeah. say pies is I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm you're sorry forgotten. I neglected you. You're a forgotten dessert and you're not just for the holidays. Yeah. And I just, you know, for the past 23 years of my life, I've taken you for granted. But here today on this pie day of 2021, no more. Oh my god. No gosh. longer. I yes. will. Well, I see, I still really don't like sweet things. So I probably <laughs> won't eat them that much. But I will try my darndest. Okay. If I walk into a little, you know, diner or whatever, and there's that little case mm. with all the slices of pie. Yeah. I'll look at the menu. And if you're reasonably priced, I might <laughs> get you. But usually you're not, but I will, I'll, I'll give you a little look and you'll know that I'm recognizing that you're there and you're valuable and you are worth eating pie. Wow. You are worth eating. That was beautiful. Thank you. A little less beautiful because of all the qualifiers that you put on the pie, <laughs> but um, beautiful nonetheless. Hey, pie, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have standards. Don't judge me. <laughs> Um, Pi, I would just like to say, I'll probably try to um, buy you. Excuse me. Didn't you just say Pi was down at the bottom of your list? <laughs> Pi, I don't know. listen to her. You don't deserve to get this kind of. No, 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 no. From, from her. I, you had a moment with Pi. I would like to have a moment with Pi on Pi Day. Okay. It'll be quick. <sighs> Go ahead. Pi, I just want to say, I'm sorry for putting you at the bottom of my list. Someone's got to be on the bottom. It doesn't mean you're, it doesn't mean you're not great. <laughs> um, but I just want to say, I'll probably look into ordering you from Texas. And if you are reasonably priced to be shipped from Texas to California, I'll consider it. And that will be it for the I year. Be- I didn't believe a word of that. <laughs> And neither did Pi. We were talking the whole time you were saying it. He's like, no, no way. Did you say he? You think Pi is a he? My Pi. You're gendering your Pi? <laughs> Don't uh, gender my so. Pi. My bad, my bad. Sorry, right. Pi. <laughs> well. I expect an update on whether or not you've ordered a Pi from I Texas. I will. I will and, update you. And, and Pi does as well. Yeah, well. They Pi? were just telling What's me that they expect one. Okay, you are talking to Pi a little too much. <laughs> you're just you're just jealous. <laughs> anyway, so listeners, um, I'm starting a new podcast with Pi. Life of Pi. Uh, the podcast. That, that's pretty good. Oh. If Pi was an actual being, they should make a podcast called Life of Pi. <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> Uh, well, unfortunately, this is not the Life of Pi podcast. As we have mentioned, this is Two Takes on Film. Uh, and I have a couple things, uh, just a couple headlines from the week, from the day even, um, of things happening in the world of Hollywood. Film. Yeah. Film. All the things. Uh, the first of which, the headline reads, AMC Theaters lost $4.6 billion dollars in 2020 due to COVID-19 thoughts sadness feelings you want to communicate it literally makes me ill (laughs) 
it makes me feel sick. First of all, Heather and I are not shy about the fact that we do love AMC. We do. And it is superior to all of their theater chains. Just kidding. I love movie theaters in general. I hope they're all successful. But I do love AMC specifically. That was the theater that Heather and I used, you know, the most to, and I guess still do for her. Um, Unfortunately, they don't have them where I live in Oregon. Maybe you should open up a franchise. You have the funds to do that, right? I was going to say, just Venmo me the money for it, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, But guys, Lucasfilms was sold for, I'm pretty sure, $4.3 billion. I know it was within four. So they lost more money last year then Star Wars is worth the franchise. Th- then the like the franchise, All the trademark, it. the entire world of Star Wars, anything that could possibly be linked, whether that's you know sales of toys, of T-shirts, of TV shows, movies, anything. All of that, which I mean, you're a human. You know what Star Wars is. You know it's worth a lot. <laughs> they lost more money than that last year alone. Yeah. And AMC is a big company. They're the yeah. largest theater chain in America. Um, I'm pretty sure they're second largest in the world just to to uh, a Chinese theater chain. But um, still, that's a blow. That's yeah. a huge blow. Huge. Um, it's scary. I don't know how, how one bounces back from yeah. a year like that. And they're not alone. I mean, sure. companies, companies of any kind have taken massive, massive hits in the past mm-hmm. year. But this is a film podcast. So we're talking about this. Um, it's horrifying. Yeah. It really does. It makes me sick. Yeah. Super sad. <laughs> it makes me want to cry. Yeah. You can cry here. This is a safe space. I'm not, not going. It makes me want to cry. Oh, 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 going sure, 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 sure. I'll do it later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here in Southern California, movie theaters finally got the approval today today to open back up so haven't heard from amc yet when they're planning to open their theaters back up but super looking forward to that um can't wait we'll report back on what the first movie i see back in the theaters is Mm. um very much looking forward to that so that and theaters oh sorry oh no go ahead update on oregon theaters yeah oregon theaters did open up last friday or well no uh week before this past friday they don't know what date it is. I did tell <laughs> them. We the already date. said that. We already said <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah. Mar- March 5th was when they opened up. Yeah. Anyway, very exciting. I was able to, we, my, for my coworkers and I, we rented out a theater. Uh, this was the so first fun. movie I saw back in theaters. We watched the Iron Giant. It was super fun. I mean, like I love hanging out with my coworkers outside of work and stuff. Like I enjoy, you know, seeing them well, outside of work, like as group of people, you know, <laughs> in real um, life. and I really haven't been able to do that right in real life, like who they are not in uniform yeah. and making coffee yeah. uh, and using their customer service voice and sure. stuff. Uh, and that's something that like, you don't always get to do just depending on kind of the environment of your workplace, but especially not the past year, Yeah, like have not gotten to hang out with a lot of my coworkers at all. So it was really, really good to get to do that. I, <laughs> Heather knows this. I, I ran it through Heather first, but prior to the movie, because <laughs> this was something kind of like that I organized. It was like, you know, everyone there knows that I love movies. So I was saying like, 
it was like my treat to them, you know, renting out the theater. And like, I said, like, this is to celebrate movies coming out. And, and so also special. The, yeah. Like it was cool. And I'm not saying like you agreed to come to this thing that I ran. Now I get to subject you to like, whatever I please. Yeah, of course. But it was kind of like my event or whatever. So I felt yeah. like, anyway, I wrote this little, this little blip, this little uh, 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 like prelude to the iron giant, because uh, those of you out there, probably remember the iron giant um it is a very influential movie in the history of film in general but especially the history of animated films um and people don't really realize that it doesn't get as much credit as it should as far as how it changed the way that we as a society see and approach films that are targeted for children and i think that's a really important thing to know going into the movie because a lot of these people that i work with are around my age they remember the iron giant maybe they maybe it was like a family film for them so they like definitely remember it and lots of them were like oh yeah, like I remembered that kind of, yeah. you know, I saw it once as a kid. Cause it's one of those films where when I think about the Iron Giant, I think like, oh, that came out a couple of years before I was born or whatever, but it was in 99. Like yeah. we, we were like, I was definitely alive for it, but it just feels a little bit older than that. Um, and so I thought that that was like an important thing. So I, I typed up this little thing and I sent it out to everyone like individually before and I got a few people that were like genuinely appreciative or at least it seemed so of that but I also got a lot of uh like cool (laughs) thanks (laughs) you know I think some people literally just you know liked like thumbed up in the message the the image itself of this pdf so yeah that's that's me yeah well well I just want to say um For those of you who have never read anything that Wyatt has written, I hope that you get to at some point because (laughs) he truly is an excellent writer. And I, although was very much so alive when the Iron Giant came out, I honestly don't think I've seen it. And when you had sent me that little prelude to read through, it got me excited to maybe one day watch it. I haven't yet watched it since I, I read that. I don't know if that. it's streaming on anything right now. It might be. Yeah, I don't know. I would imagine. Is it? I'm did sure you say it it's a rounds. Disney film? It is it's not a Pixar? Disney film. What is it? No. Um, it is. Uh, it's not. Oh, goodness. Um, it's not DreamWorks. It's. Uh, I can't think of the company. I don't remember. Um, anywho, oh I could. Fi- I'm sure I could I'm find so a way to watch it. I'm sure I could find it. Um, but it was quite compelling. So I do <laughs> hope that your coworkers all read it. They didn't just like it. They read it. They loved it. They were prepared for the film. So I just feel like, you know, I feel like it would have enhanced. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. But it also wasn't like they didn't have to read it. I wasn't yeah. trying to. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It. it was just kind of like, this is here if you yeah. want it. Yeah, if you want it. Yeah. The second thing I wanted to mention is that mm-hmm. okay to mention the next thing? Or did you have yeah, other? <laughs> I didn't know if oh, you had oh, other yes, thoughts I'm... on like AMC stuff, movie no, theaters. I feel like my okay. thoughts have been completed on that. Yeah. Great, great. Um, today, March 14th, as we have mentioned, Pi Day, uh, was also the Grammys. The Grammys were tonight. Uh, Congratulations to all of the great artists who won tonight. Billie Eilish won for um, Album of the Year. So congratulations to her. She has an excellent documentary on Apple Plus. 
Um, World's that, a little blurry. Yeah. Right. That's the title of it. Correct. Uh, yeah. The world's a little blurry. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I think so. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Uh, it's very good if you are a Billie Eilish fan or if you just enjoy um, documentaries about musicians. I feel mm-hmm. like this is a great one. Um, yeah, I loved the just the family dynamic mm-hmm. that they have, especially her relationship she's with her so, brother, Phineas. so young, too. She's so young. Yeah, She's someone I really don't. I do listen to her music. Like when she puts yeah. out something new or a new album, I yeah. will listen to it. I don't listen to it as in usually it's once. Sure. Not like the biggest fan, but she is a very compelling yeah. young woman, a very yeah. compelling artist. I yeah. mean, how old is she? Like 17? I, uh, I think she's probably 18 or 19 at this point. Oh, okay. But, but when still. she when she started, yeah, yeah. she was well, super and even, young. Um, what was her? Ocean Eyes. Yeah. She wrote when she was like 14 yeah. or something. Because I mean, that's, yeah. that song's been around for, for a while. For years. Um, yeah. And and I know her brother, you said Phineas, right? Phineas, yeah. Writes all yes. her music with her and stuff. Yes. So and he's also, I mean, he's just a couple years older than her, correct? Yeah. 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 So it's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I haven't given the documentary a watch yet, but I, yeah. I probably will because yeah, very interesting artists. Yeah. Artists. For sure. Both of them. Both of them. Uh so congratulations to them for that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason that I mentioned this and bring this up is because. The second headline I'd like to read says Taika Waititi won a Grammy and even he was confused. I guess they're giving Grammys to anyone now. So uh, if you know Taika Waititi, uh, he is an actor, director, filmmaker. He's responsible for Jojo Rabbit is his most recent um, Mm -hmm. film. And he won a Grammy for Best Compilation Soundtrack Album for Visual Media for Jojo Rabbit. Um, And I don't know if he didn't know that he was nominated. He certainly, he was surprised. surprised. Um, And just tweeted a response when he uh, found out that he won. So this category was first introduced in the 2000 Grammys. um, And Phil Collins won for his work on Tarzan, which is such a bang-in soundtrack two two things uh, well first of all I'll just get this out of the way did you know phil collins recorded the entire soundtrack of tarzan in both french and spanish as well languages that i think french and spanish two other languages that he did not know before i didn't know that but i'm not surprised the entire soundtrack he didn't Incredible. want like anyone else's voice which rightfully so his voice is very yeah. unique oh yeah but like that's no small task learning oh yeah you know, i mean that's hundreds of words he probably has like a fairly competent grasp on the languages themselves just mm-hmm. from learning you know how to pronounce and how to put together especially in songs i feel like learning songs in other languages is very helpful to kind of learn the phrasing differences between your yeah. language and the different languages and that that kind of thing so incredible incredible yeah. artist as well and phil collins yeah. and yeah that's crazy i i often like will just remember that fact and then YouTube, you know, Tarzan soundtrack in French and just listen to it. I'm like, this is actually Phil Collins. It's not just some French guy who like kind of sounds like Phil Collins singing his song. It's actually Phil Collins, which is crazy. So impressive. Um, And then secondly, I think part of why that feels confusing is Jojo Rabbit came out December, early December of 2019. Right. So it's been a while now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
awards, I mean, you know, especially in this past year, are bumping all over the place as far as like getting pushed back, getting moved earlier, whatever. I mean, as is everything. But even without COVID, awards are already kind of confusing because so many of them like crossover, Mm -hmm. uh, like they're awarding the same industries. uh, Like, you know, Golden Globes, like there's Oscars for movies and then there's uh, Emmys for TVs and there's Golden Globes that do both. And then there's, you know, and so often like, because of just the timing of it, you do kind of see, I mean, even, you know, the Oscars are April 25th this year. That's almost yeah. halfway through 2021 celebrating yeah. the movies of 2020. But this feels like, I mean, it's been over a year. It's been a year, totally. and three months. So by now, I mean, he's moved on. He's on yeah. other projects. Like he's yeah. no longer in like the stage of like filmmakers kind of have these stages with their movies where it's like, all right, this is the post Jojo Rabbit phase of my mm-hmm. career where mm-hmm. I'm collecting the awards for it or just at least like reaping yeah just kind of like what it's soon and, and and um so maybe he didn't even know i'm sure he knew like I the Grammys, it kind of know. seemed like he didn't <laughs> and so it wasn't it, it wasn't was like one that was tiny award yeah from some random like nation you know be like oh i didn't even know i was nominated but like it's the grammys yeah it feels like yeah. something his agent would have told him totally um yeah. and also that headline to say, I guess they're giving Grammys to anyone now. Well, that's what excuse. That's what that he said. Person. That's what he said. He tweeted oh, really? that yeah, as part of his reaction. Okay, yeah. that feels better. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Taika Waititi is a very, a very accomplished person. Um, yeah. He's from New Zealand. Absolutely hilarious. You might know him from Jojo Rabbit. You probably know him um, from the director of Thor Ragnarok, which totally revitalized that series. And now he's. He's continuing that push of MCU in that direction mm-hmm. with uh, Thor, Love of God and Thunder, or God of Love and Thunder. Um, but also before that, he had Hunt for the Wilder People, and especially What We Do in the Shadows in 2014, which if you have seen that movie out there, you know that it's probably one of the best comedies of the past decade. If you haven't seen that movie and you're listening to this, go watch that movie. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um but it, not only is he accomplished in just the quality of the work that he's put out, but also he's accomplished in the fact that he has risen to substantial fame and acclaim with Ragnarok and then especially with Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. On the, I mean, he won uh, Best Adapted yeah. or Best Original Screenplay yeah. at the Oscars a year ago, Last almost year. a full yeah. year ago. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting that like this is just now happening. Yeah. Yeah. But he has so- a dream now. He is halfway uh, to an EGOT. Um, <laughs> That's true. Just has to get that Emmy and Tony, and yeah. he is there. So, yeah. uh, congratulations to him on winning a Grammy. Go. That's I love that for him. Anything yeah. can happen, you know. One day you go to bed, and then the next day you wake up and you have a Grammy. So, I, ho- could, I hope that happens. That to could me. happen to us. <laughs> wow! How exciting! <laughs> <laughs> and we could go to bed tonight. <laughs> Anything can happen. Anything can happen. As said the great Ellie Golding. Anything can happen. I love that song so much. It's a good song. It is yeah. a good song. Yeah. Well, uh, per the huge, we have a couple of great films <laughs> to talk about with you today. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so usual. <laughs> uh, do you want to start with yours or would you like me to start with mine? Um, I'll start. Great. No, you start. Okay. Well, no, I'll start. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right. So first up uh, tonight, tonight, first up, whenever you're listening to this, uh, this episode, <laughs> uh, I am reviewing one night in Miami. That is, uh, the directorial debut of Regina King, who yes. you guys know as a famous actress. This is, his, yeah. this is her first time directing a film. I think she directed a TV movie before this. If I remember, mm. uh, my slight research correctly, uh, but this is definitely like her feature film debut. She has an Oscar for her role in If Beale Street Could Talk. You might know her from uh, the Watchmen series from um, just, well, not this past year, two years ago. What were you going to say? A Cinderella story, perhaps? A Cinderella story. Yeah, I mean, she's been around for a while. She's been an actress um, for a long time and a very, very good one. Um, and she proves herself a more than competent director with this film, which is very exciting. She was nominated for Best Director at the Golden Globes. I expect her to be nominated for uh, the same in Oscar. I could see this getting a Best Picture nomination. And I could also see her, as well as Kemp Powers, getting a writing nomination for this. But this is another film adapted from a play. There are three films this year that are significant awards frontrunners that are all adapted from plays. One we've already discussed in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, this One Night in Miami, as well as The Father, which we will discuss in a couple weeks, um, that is also adapted from a play. Amazing. Um, yeah. Interesting how the direction of each one goes. So, so uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was directed by a play director. He's not the director of the play it's based on, but he, his, his experience is in theater. Hmm. And this was his first time really stepping into film directing. Then you have uh, The Father, which is actually directed by the man who wrote the play itself. Hmm. He wrote and directed the original play. Wow. And this is his first time ever directing a movie. He's not a That's film cool. director. Well, he is now, but you know, up until then he was a theater director. Uh, and then you have One Night in Miami, which is directed by someone who until this point has only ever been an actor. Well, I mean, she's been a producer and that kind of thing, but she has never will, directed before. Mm -hmm. I will mention she actually has 15 directing credits to her name. One Night in Miami is her film. She right. did direct a TV movie, and then the yeah. rest are episodes on TV shows, such as The Good Doctor, Shameless, mm -hmm. This Is Us, um, Scandal. So she has directed on a smaller scale. Yes, yes, yes. Which I'm not trying to take that away from her. Totally. It just, it is a very, very different thing directing TV yeah, yeah. than directing a film. Yeah. So, sorry, I did not mean to uh, give false information, but to clarify, this is her feature film directorial yes. debut, yes. Um, which is an entirely different monster. But it, it just, it, it's interesting to see the three different directors um, approaching the three movies that are uh, probably most Mm -hmm. uh, uh, most um, awarded this season based on plays. Uh, but One Night in Miami is based on a play written by Kemp Powers. Uh, Kemp Powers served as a writer on this film. So he wrote the mm -hmm. adaptation of his own play onto the screen. And fun fact, Kemp Powers is actually the co-writer and co-director of Soul. Oh. Yes, another of one of the most awarded films from yeah. this past year. So what a year for uh, Kemp wow. Powers. Good for Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Have a day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
I mean, extremely impressive. But I could see, I could see him getting nominated for best adapted screenplay, which is funny because it's it's an adaptation as of his own work. Hmm. Um, here, so in One Night in Miami, you have a fictionalized version of uh, this night in Miami that is the kind of gathering of four uh, extremely important uh, characters from the civil rights movements of the 60s. Not characters, actual people, people but yeah. uh, uh, characters as in they had, you know, part of that. Yeah. So you have Mac- Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke, who are all coming from different things. I mean, as you guys know, Malcolm X, leader of a movement, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown was uh, in the NFL, and then Sam Cooke is a singer. Um, but all of them very much just towering figures of the mm-hmm. civil rights movements. Yeah. Um, in the 1960s. And so this is a fictionalized uh, version of this night where they meet and just kind of discuss their roles in um, the, the I think what the movie says is the cultural upheaval mm-hmm. that was the latter 60s um, and the different ways that they're coming at it. And, yeah. and it does a good job of showing that although all of these men are seeking to better the lives of themselves and of african-americans in america and the people they love so they all have the same goal the civil rights movements was not always a united front and they Mm -hmm. all are coming from like very different um methods i guess you could say different backgrounds um and you are led to very very deep and very very um important conversations about like i said their roles in the movement uh, in this film. And so the performances immediately stand out. Absolutely amazing. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. So good. Is, is very, very good. I personally, uh, Kingsley Benadir, which every time I read his name, obviously there's a famous actor for a long time now named Ben Kingsley. So every time his, I read his name, I read Ben Kingsley Adir, but it is in fact Kingley, Kingsley Benadir. Um, but he plays Malcolm X and I think out of all of them, he is most able to physically embody Malcolm X. I mean, Mm. you watch videos in the movie itself. You watch videos of Malcolm X speeches and right on point. It's not that the other men don't, but as from, from a physicality standpoint of his performance, uh, it is spot on. And all of the men do an incredible job of, like I said, not only just physically portraying these real life figures, but also spiritually embodying who they Mm. were um not that i knew (laughs) any of these men personally um well i mean they're all except for jim brown they're all uh passed away uh but just what you have come to know as far as what these men represented what they stood for uh, the performances seem to physically embody their motivations and their empathies and their hardships and their their downfalls and their strengths and it just makes for very very convincing conversation um i will say that as of the two films that we just spoke of that are all based on plays inherently when you adapt a play to a film you lose a sense of cinematic cinematics cinematicism cinematical Yes, this. <laughs> but you you lose a sense of that because you're immediately constricting yourself to a very specific location. Yeah, because most plays happen within the confines of one, two, maybe three sets. Yeah. 
Um, I talked about this in my review of My Rainy's Black Bottom, but I felt like that film did a very, very good job of opening up the world outside. Even though you didn't often hmm. go outside of the two rooms it took place in, it felt like a world existed beyond there. Hmm. Like it felt, it felt like when you're in the room with these people, y- you could hear the cars on the road outside, you yeah. know, downstairs, you could hear the honking of the horns or the sirens or this or that you felt like this existed in a world. Yeah. Um, the father is constricted to a single location, um, but it utilizes that because it, it plays into the story of uh, kind of achieving this claustrophobic effect. So I feel mm. like that was very successful. One Night in Miami, out of all three of them, I feel like struggles the most with that constriction. Mm. Um, there are times where basically these men most of them think that this is going to be a a night of partying with these other three men Uh, it's the night after a very uh important win by muhammad ali so they think this is going to be like we're hitting the streets of miami we're partying we're celebrating yeah um and it turns out it's quite literally just them in a hotel room talking yeah for 90 percent of the film um and i feel like there were a lot of times the movie we were watching it. I was like, I don't hear anyone else in the hotel. I don't even, I don't hear like the couple next door. I don't hear the, the cars outside. I don't even hear Miami as a city. I mean, it's, it's this night and, and you're supposed to get this feeling of like, everyone's out there celebrating, but these men who are arguably the reason they're kind of celebrating are here Mm -hmm. having these, these, these intense, these important conversations. And um, I felt like the room really sucked them in and kind of constricted them. Um, but to her credit, Regina King does a really good job of directing the conversations hmm. visually, hmm. uh, the way she stages the actors in the room, keeps the shots interesting. Uh, she, she stages them in a way to that, which, you know, the way that their conversation is flowing is also physically represented in these power dynamics of like who has more control of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, stuff in a film that you subconsciously take in, whether you are able to notice uh, the staging of the actors or not. Uh, it is something that is very vital and she does a wonderful job. And that's something that's, you know, that's like intricacies of directing. Yeah. That's, that's hard to do, but uh, being an actor herself, I'm sure mm-hmm. she, she understands the importance of, of your presence on screen and your, your placing. And, um, she does a really good job at that. So although I did feel like it was constricted, she she made the most out of every shot. Yeah. Considering every shot was two men talking hmm. or or four men talking. Or four, but yeah. Every shot was just these people talking. She did the most with that. And I'm going to contradict myself a bit here, which I do often, but I am right now stating that I understand that this is a contradiction because I just said that I felt like I wish that she had had the confidence to dive into the restriction of the hotel room in the same way the father did utilize the fact that they are constricted to this room, that, that these, these four towering figures, these four men who arguably, you know, like each one of them individually has the impact of millions, like are just in this tiny, not even lavish just this mm-hmm. tiny kind of run-of-the-mill hotel room, utilize that constriction, that spacing to further amplify the importance of the conversations they're having, that they're not out there celebrating mm-hmm. what arguably is considered, you know, when you look back at the history of these men, you you look at like 
the famous, you know, fights from Muhammad Ali. You look at like football games from Jim Brown. You look at performances by Sam Cooke, uh, speeches by Malcolm X. And that's what you see is like their accomplishments. Yeah. But what if where they truly accomplished things was just in these rooms, having these conversations. Mm. Um, and I wish she would have just had the confidence to be like, yes, that's what this is about. And we're going to yeah. fully lean to it. I want the whole movie to take place inside that hotel room, you yeah. know, and maybe not quite lately the whole movie, but w- uh, what I'm speaking to um, specifically is there's a couple scenes at the beginning of the film that take up a solid 20 minutes that kind of follow each character one at a time mm-hmm. in various places, not all in Miami, like some in their hometown, some in other places. And they, I felt, I, I, I haven't watched the play. So maybe those are actually in the plays themselves. I yeah. can't imagine because the sets are just so wildly different mm-hmm. and the scenes are so quick. It wouldn't make any sense to build for a whole set, you part. know, totally different sets for a four minute scene or whatever um, that you will never return to, mm-hmm. but maybe they were. However, I, I got the impression that these scenes were put in there to make it feel more cinematic, to broaden mm. the scope of the film. But to put that at the beginning and then in close felt like you, it just felt a little chaotic. It felt it felt like a trap, like you mm. they were now trapped in this room rather than like empowering that room and those conversations. Again, it didn't ruin the film by any means, but I didn't feel like those scenes were necessary also because thematically all those scenes did were show the four characters suffer oppression in Mm -hmm. their own lives in different ways which i'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about that but you could have shown that already in miami yeah like quick little scenes i don't understand why they had to be across the country why they had to be in totally different locations you know why did we even really have to say that at all i mean we understand who these characters are that we understand that they're leaders of the civil rights movement that they're obviously opposed to oppression um yeah and so i'm not saying shy away from the fact that even these famous men you know for as famous as they were for as much as as the white mass audience quote unquote love them they still were discriminated against Mm -hmm. i think that's very important to convey i just didn't see the necessity in these four completely separate scenes and totally separate areas. Why couldn't we have just had them all four already in Miami and you could have accomplished all four of them, you know, suffering that discrimination in four different ways within like an eight minute scene, you know, of them kind of at the fight or whatever yeah. beforehand. And then it could have just been just get to that hotel room a lot sooner in the movie and focus on the conversations. Yeah. Again, not the biggest thing in the world, maybe a little bit of a mistake of not having the confidence, like I said, in, in a vision of an entire movie, like people need to see more. People need to see a a few shots of like a landscape. They need to see a few shots of cars driving to feel movement, to feel scope in order to like stay entertained. People can't just watch four people in a room talk and stay entertained, but in fact they can, Yeah, you know, yeah, not everyone, but I think a lot of people could. Yeah. So Yeah. I, that's, that's probably the biggest flaw I had with yeah. the movie is that um, I feel like she would have leaned into, she should have leaned into that more. But then again, I also contradict myself by saying, I felt like they were almost <laughs> too isolated at the same time. Yeah. So this is, you know, I didn't direct this film, obviously. <laughs> um, and this is not, you know, she did a wonderful job. Like I said, 
her use of the camera while in the room is very impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, It keeps things engaging. Uh, Performances are off the chart. It's yeah, it's a great film. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a good watch. If you're interested in watching it, you should definitely do so. It is an Amazon original, so you can find it from now until forever. I love that. Amazon.com. Yeah. Amazon Prime video.com. You know what I mean. You know where to find it. You know where to find it. (laughs) Yeah. I have a couple thoughts on this one. Just a couple quick thoughts. Um, I felt like all four of the men, the actors, are incredible monologuists. Um, Mm. They're each of them have these just powerful moments where they're um, have these lengthy talks some more than others um other characters but they just do a really wonderful job especially the i don't remember the actor's name who plays malcolm x um he was excellent kingsley benadir yes yes um also i love leslie odom jr i Mm -hmm. only know him from hamilton he Mm -hmm. plays aaron burr um but his voice is incredible so i love that he was given another opportunity to play a character where he got to show that and that beautiful skill of his. Um, And then the last thing I enjoyed about this was, um, was the fact that they were in the room for so much of it. Um, It reminded me a lot of a show on HBO called room 104 and it's created by Mark Duplass, who I just love. I love Mark Duplass. Um, And every episode of this show occurs in a room, room 104 of a hotel. So every episode is the same setting, but it's it's different and changed based on the story and um, people and whatever. So it reminded me a lot of that, of how you can be in one place and yeah, there there's there's a lot happening. You, I'm sure most people have stayed in a hotel. So, um, you know, like everyone is coming for different reasons and whatever. So I just really enjoyed, um, yeah, that, that parallel to that show. Yeah. A hotel room is a good setting. And the fact that hotels can be used for so many different reasons, Purposes. Um, purposes that sounded strange, but like, you know, so many, when when entering a hotel room or a hotel in general let's say yeah because hopefully you're not entering hotel rooms with strangers but like (laughs) entering a hotel there are tons of other people there and they could all be there for like completely separate reasons yeah just like when you enter a hotel room like in 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 room 104 yeah you know the history of that room who has stayed the night in that room and why they stayed in that room it can vary all over the place And, and even in this movie the conversations that they have show that although they all four are entering the room for roughly the same reason. Yeah. They all four have different motivations and yeah. not motivations necessarily, but um, views and approaches. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I don't like to think about hotel rooms too much. Yeah. I, it weirds me out a little. I wonder how many people have been killed. Sure. On like the bed that I'm sleeping on. Sure. How many yeah. lives have ended? Yeah. How many lives have started? E. It's true. It's the, it's, it's the circle, the circle of, life. of life. It all starts and ends in hotel rooms. Yikes. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> awesome. Okay. Anything, yeah. anything else well, you want to say about that? 
Cool. No, that was the most important thing I had to say about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saved it right there at the end. Right. Yeah. Just wanted to really top it off with that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I think that wraps it up for me. Cool. Uh, well, the movie that I am going to talk about today is News of the World. Uh, it is currently available to rent or buy. Um, it costs the same to rent it or to buy it. So I... Very confusing. I personally just bought it because... Good for you. Why not? Um, News of the World is directed by Paul Greengrass, who... Uh, I would know. I'm so sorry. Before you continue, I do want to just, it made me realize something. And this is like, maybe it's, it's obviously different for me because I love movies so much, but in the age of streaming, just purchasing a movie is such a like cool feeling. You're like, I don't, (laughs) you know, this doesn't have to stay on Netflix. I don't have to search. Like I own this now forever. I am my own streaming site and this is on it now forever. You know, I don't have, I have, I have, two movies now on my uh itunes account (laughs) one is the color purple because my friend sent it to me he gifted it Mm -hmm. to me eric gabriel thank you for that uh and the second is news of the world (laughs) so a variety really really growing i do um, i do love obviously like collecting blu-rays more i have quite a few sure blu-ray well not it's not that big i think i have about 60 75 movies which is saying i could i could definitely have bought a lot more you know yeah 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 of course course. i you know i'm the king of uh (laughs) restricting myself (laughs) um but also on apple or uh, excuse me on my itunes account i have a a decent amount of movies but whenever i do buy which is just so funny because it used to be like a normal thing you know, totally you, you have to 100%. buy the movie to watch yes. it but yes. now it's like should we do it like yeah. i don't know that seems yeah. so crazy we're gonna I couldn't, buy it like i couldn't even tell this you movie? yeah i couldn't yeah. even tell you the last movie i bought it's on and it's to the point where and we've talked about this too but it's to the point where even renting movies are like yeah. people are like you're gonna you're gonna rent it for yeah. 3.99 oh yeah <laughs> like yeah. No, we can't no. do it. We can't pay for for this. Yeah. Which I'm not like criticizing seeing anyone when I'm saying that. Like I kind of feel the same way. But then when you do, especially when you buy it, not renting it, but when you buy it, it's so like I don't know. You feel weird. like you just like it's a made weird this feeling. big purchase. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're like, I just bought a house or something. You're totally. Like, I, I own this now. I own this is this. my property. I own property. News of the world. So if anyone um prize possession once well we're in the middle of a pandemic so i'm not going to invite you over to watch it with me right now but uh buy it for yourself <laughs> or rent <laughs> news this of the is, world if you are listening and there's a movie out there that you've always wanted to watch or a movie that you've seen before that you love and you've always thought oh man i kind of want to watch that again and then you browse netflix and you'll see it on there or whatever you search and you're like oh man eventually and, and occasionally in your life you know, you just randomly think of that movie and you're like, man, I really want to see that. Or I really like the movie. I really want to watch it again. But like, I never seen the find it anywhere. Maybe it's a little bit older. Maybe it's a little bit more obscure. This is your sign. Go buy that. Go get it. I will not help you financially do that, (laughs) but I'm telling you, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Take that plunge. Yeah. Go buy that movie. Minor commitment. It will make your life so happy. 
and cherish that movie yeah for the rest of your life pass it Go down do it. yeah yeah well, i'm sorry <laughs> okay. news of the world is directed by paul greengrass who I would best know him from the Bourne series, uh-huh. uh, as well as Captain Phillips. And uh, I'm not really United sure if you're supposed to say the 22nd of July or just 22 July. Um, that is uh-huh. another film that he has directed. So um, all of those are great movies as well, if you have not seen them. Um, News of the World takes place five years after the end of the Civil War and centers around the story of Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, who is played by the great Tom Hanks. Mm. Um, And Captain is a traveling newsman. So he is quite literally a news anchor, essentially, prior to, you know, televisions and all of that. He literally travels from town to town and he reads the news to them. People pay to come see him. He picks up a newspaper once he gets there, reads through it, picks out the stories he wants to share, and he shares them. So I just want to say, Tom Hanks, if ever you find yourself in need of a career change, News Anchor would be great for you. He did a great Mm. job uh, embodying all that a news anchor should. Um, However, on his travels as he is traveling to a new town he uh, stumbles upon a a wagon crash uh, and discovers a young girl who um, he finds out from the papers that are in the wagon her name is Johanna Uh, she has been captured by the Kiowa people um, years before I think it said like six years before um, that and has been with the Kiowa Kiowa people ever since then. Um, and the, the man, there's a black man who has been escorting her, um, back to her family, her aunt and uncle in Texas. Um, he, that black man is no longer with us. He has died in a series of events, um, at this crash. And therefore this little girl is all alone. Um, Tom Hanks, takes her with him and uh, kind of begins on this journey of deciding to to be the one to continue that journey with Johanna to take her back home and to reunite her with her aunt and uncle. Um, But in order to do so, the two have to journey across the Great Plains Mm -hmm. of Texas in their wild, wild west, the wild west uh, in their own wagon. And um, that presents all the challenges that you would imagine it would. Uh, so this is a, a story of survival and companionship and also family. And um, mm. I, after I had watched it, I had sent my rating, my initial rating to Wyatt. Uh, and he made me reconsider my rating. <laughs> um, I had trouble rating this one because... I just did. And I'll, I'll talk you through it, but I landed on, I'm going to give it 6.7 wagon wheels out of 10. Uh, that felt like a happy medium for where yeah. I needed to be. So I will break it down a little for you and tell you why. Um, the first thing that I loved about this film was the relationship between captain and Johanna, um, throughout their journey together, they just become incredible partners. So at the start of this, she, like I mentioned, had been captured by the Kiowa people, had been with them for many years. So she actually doesn't 
speak English. Um, she he finds out that she speaks a little bit of German, um, but she mostly speaks this Kiowa language. Um, so they can't communicate with each other. Um, she obviously has experienced significant trauma being removed from her people. And then there's this crash and she doesn't know where she's going and can't communicate with people. Um, and then they're also facing these hardships as they're out on their journey. So this little girl is going through a lot. Both of them are going through a lot. Um, but their relationship and the bond that they build throughout their journey is just really beautiful. They start teaching each other the other's language and they're communicating with each other. And as they're kind of um, dealing with these, uh, I call them cowboy pirates <laughs> later in my <laughs> review, as they're dealing with these cowboy pirates, they're fighting together and they're very much on like the same team and um, they're comforting each other and they become just really beautiful companions uh, throughout their journey. So I loved that. Um, because of that companionship, I think the story as a whole is a really beautiful picture of parenthood and having parenthood kind of thrust upon you when you didn't ask for that, um, which I love stories about that, I guess. Mm. Um, particularly, as you know, one of my favorite films is Manchester by the Sea. Um, and that exact thing happens in that movie as well with Casey yeah. Affleck. And um, just becoming a parent overnight is an incredibly overwhelming thing. And yes. um, I would imagine <laughs> that hasn't happened to me, uh, but I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seems, seems tough. Um, but Tom Hanks, his his character captain, he doesn't have any children of his own and uh, pretty early on expresses that he doesn't feel like he has this sort of natural um, inclination to parent a child, doesn't know how to mm -hmm. do it. And then obviously with this girl, there, there are so many layers to it with not being able to communicate and yeah, just the whole bit of things. So um but as as they kind of go on, and even kind of right from the start, he pretty quickly um, like picks up these these traits and characteristics that I would imagine a good parent would have, such as protecting a child and um, being selfless and just all these different things that it does actually seem like he's kind of a natural and he's figuring it out and he's bumbling through it. But um there's a point in the movie where she says an English word and it's clearly a word that he has like taught her. And he right. just has this moment of excitement of like, Oh my gosh, I, I taught her something. And that was just super cute. So, yeah. um, also, uh, towards the end of the film, they do end up reaching her aunt and uncle and, um, who she has never met. She doesn't know these people. They don't know her. Um, and, they also live a completely different type of life. Sure, sure. Than what she's used to. Because her mother was German, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think and her, so. And her father was Native American, I believe. Yeah. Is that correct? No? I don't know. I don't know. He's lived a long time with the Native American. Yes, 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 yes. People. People. And her mother, at least, her. yeah, her mother is yes. German. So her, her yes. aunt and uncle, this is her mother's, mother's sister, sister and, um, and brother-in-law. Yeah. So not only is it just people they've never met, but they also live a significantly not Native American life, which is yeah. 
which is something she just doesn't know yeah 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 um so when captain drops her off they just have a completely different approach to to parenting and accepting johanna um than captain did and than what johanna had grown to know with captain over this long journey um that they have been on so um there's just, yeah, that totally different approach in caring for her and parent parenting her that I think is kind of the culmination of the journey that Captain has been on himself in parenting her uh, throughout their journey. So just loved that story and that theme kind of throughout the movie. Um, and then the last thing I'll highlight of in falling in my likes category is the I guess the cinematography of it, this is a Western, which is not typically my go-to. I would not say that I have many or any uh, Western type films in my top um, favorite films, but uh, there are a lot of warm brown tones throughout the movie. Obviously they're in the desert, the plains of Texas. Um and I'm very much, you know, drawn to, well, our last episode was talking about promising the promising young woman, which is very colorful and bright and True. extreme in that sense. This is very not that. Um, anyways, all of that to say, there's some really beautiful shots of like desert landscape, really wide oh. angle shots that are just beautiful. And um, there was one scene in particular where they have encountered the cowboy pirates and they're <sighs> going through all of these um, rocks and things. And it immediately transported me back to when I was in high school, I was playing paintball and we had our, our youth directors, we were doing it with youth group. They lived on top of this mountain and there were a, a bunch of rocks that we would climb around and play paintball in. And someone approached me from the top of a rock and they shot me on the top of my head that was unguarded Oof, with a paintball painful. and it was so painful so I'm sure um there's no paintball in this movie however <laughs> this, this, this particular rock scene really uh took me back to that very painful memory in high school of being shot in the head with a paintball. So wow. um, the combination of the beautiful desert shots with the score um, was just really lovely and really won me over. As far as some of the things that I didn't like as much, um, as I've mentioned, these cowboy pirates, they drove me crazy. I call them cowboy pirates because they're cowboys. They're outlaws, I suppose. They're outlaws, yeah. I suppose. But they just felt like cowboy pirates. It's the easiest that's, way I can describe fair. them. Yeah. Um, they drove me crazy. The movie as a whole is relatively slow. And so when these um, cowboy pirates pop up and challenge them, the the challenges are not even that extreme. Like, I didn't feel like they were that intense or scary and I wish they would have. They just felt more annoying to me, like a nuisance that they're popping mm. up again. It was like, just let them go. And I know the Wild West, like I know that this happened and that people yeah. had to confront these outlaws um, as they were traveling across the plains. I get that. But I don't think it was intense enough for me to feel like, oh, that felt good and significant. 
Yeah, I mean, Greengrass is someone who does intensity and does action very, very well. It's what made him famous. And I do think that the particular scene you're speaking of, the paintball scene, um, <laughs> with these with these cowboy pirates was done very well. It's mm-hmm. just the movie it's in. You yeah. recognize the fact that the stakes are not actually there. Yeah. Because you recognize the type of movie you're watching. Yeah. So it does kind of just feel like, I do think that the scene was done well. I think that yeah. there was a genuine amount of tension and well choreographed action mm-hmm. there. I just think that when you play something like that, you have to understand the expectations your audience has, yeah. the expectations you've given them based on what's come before and what they mm-hmm. know will come after. Mm-hmm. And then wh- how like how intense or non-intense, yeah. how important or uh, a nuisance they will consider this scene in the yeah. midst of this movie where they know the outcome. Yeah. So I I understand what you're saying, where it does kind of just feel like, all right, let's just, you know, we know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. Um, The second thing, were you going to say something else? I was going to say, which to a degree could be set for the entire film, hmm. but that also could be said for a lot of movies. Yeah. Movies that are, are like this, but yeah. continue. Yeah. The second thing I didn't love was this idea of the language barrier that they have. So Tom Hanks, his character is speaking English. That's what he speaks. Um, the common thread is that they both have a little bit of German that they can speak, but it doesn't feel like enough to allow them to actually communicate with each other. His primary language is English. Hers is the Kiowa language. Mm-hmm. Um, and with how quickly they were able to start communicating or understanding each other, it felt a little unrealistic to me. Yeah. But again, I know that they were spending a lot of time together, just in this wagon together traveling. So maybe they did have time to like learn each other enough. I don't know. It just felt a little unrealistic to me. Mm -hmm. Like is, can she really understand you, Tom Hanks? I don't think so. There is a bit of a, kind of physical language between them that they kind of develop that's like a mashup of uh gestures and motions and you know facial expressions and kind of english and kind of german and kind of what quinoa quinoa (laughs) quinoa it's kind of this mixture of all these things it's like this almost like pig latin that they have where yeah. it's kind of the, just between them Their own. but yeah i mean even with that being said like highly unrealistic that yeah there would be any form of communication totally let alone communication to the degree that they needed to, to the degree that they needed to survive these situations totally totally yeah, yeah. Uh, the last thing that I didn't love was I felt like um, some of the special effects and certainly some of the coloring just fell off to me. Um, there's one point in particular where they crash and I don't know if they were filming during the day, but they were trying to make it look like it was nighttime. For some reason, the whole scene is just colored really, really green. Gray. It has oh. like this like green tint on it uh-huh. um, that just felt bad <laughs> um and then also in that scene a horse dies spoiler alert um and for some reason oh, horses getting injured or dying mm-hmm. just really hits me deep 
I don't have any particular connection to horses other than I literally said to myself as I was watching horse. I'm not. She is. She's definitely a horse girl. I'm not a horse girl. No, you're a little skater girl. Yes. Yeah, you were. In my heart. Um, (laughs) Yeah, not in actual life. Not in real life. Uh, In my heart. I really wanted that for myself. Um, But I literally said out loud as I was watching this movie by myself, if a horse dies, I'm going to be so upset. And it did. So you that's just kind wait, of. Wait, wait. You said that sentence to myself. alone. Yes. Watching a movie on a laptop yes. out loud. Yes. yes. You actually sat there yes. and just spoke the words if a horse dies, I'm going to be very upset. Yes. You should talk to somebody. <laughs> you should see someone. That you. is crazy. What are you I'm talking you. about? What do you mean that's crazy? It's not crazy. It's one thing I'm... to kind of like react, like when the horse dies, is be like, oh my gosh, you know, like say that out loud. But to just like, what? There's, did you actually say that? I wouldn't lie about that. I don't know what it is. Horses and old people. If anything happens to either one of them, I'm not okay with it. And I don't know. What I'm not it is. saying that that's not justified. I'm just saying you saying that out loud <laughs> is kind of crazy. All right. Well, listeners, please <laughs> let us know. Do you think that Heather, do you think that that is a normal thing to do? I don't think that's that outrageous. Trust me. I definitely know what like inner monologues, you know, like I am not unfamiliar with having an inner monologue. I'm not unfamiliar with talking out loud, but almost (laughs) everything like to myself. I mean, (laughs) I also speak out loud to other people people. (laughs) and microphones, Um, but it's almost always like reactionary or you know, just kind of like commentating. Okay. 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 Just to just, to just okay. put this statement out about like the future and just like, if this thing happens, I will feel this way. Okay. When I need- had said <laughs> it, when I had said it, there were horses that were in danger. I didn't, it wasn't okay. just like the credits are starting to roll at the beginning. And I'm like, I'm a horse. No, no, no. Like first, <laughs> the first movie? scene where a horse is in it and you're just like, Oh boy, oh boy, you know, if they heard a horse. I will be livid if they heard a horse. <laughs> no, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. There were horses that were in danger. Those horses made it out okay. Then secondary horse situation did not go so well for the horse. And I was upset about it. I still feel like the completeness of your sentence, the enunciation of it you know you didn't just just say like i hope it doesn't die you were like if a horse dies in this this here film oh my gosh i will be very upset okay and i still stand by the fact that that's somewhat strange all right well listeners let us know what you think is anyone in my corner does anyone feel this way about horses (laughs) I'm not saying you shouldn't feel that way about horses. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> Let us know, listeners. Let us know what you think. I have one more point on yes. this, on this uh, point. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's that I hated the freckles on Johanna. <laughs> they were so, it just goes to, to this whole kind of idea of it, 
was just a little off for me in some of these ways, down to the fact that these freckles looked like it's a thing. It's a style thing to like paint freckles onto yourself. That's something that girls do. Mm -hmm. Um, and it very much felt like, do they, I don't know. Have you done that? I have, I personally have, you personally have it. Um, it just, maybe, maybe you should also get a poster of a horse poster of a horse (laughs) just make a full transformation (laughs) (laughs) all right just continue (laughs) all i'm saying is i hated the freckles on johanna at times it felt like she had more than other times and they just felt like someone took a pencil and drew them on her and I was not a fan of that you know why so, it felt like that because that's exactly that's what, they what someone did, did. <laughs> I know I know but there's ways to do it that it makes no, it look know, natural anyways <sighs> this I feel like this was a bit of a roller coaster emotionally for me <laughs> I was not prepared the for or the, review? <laughs> <laughs> the review um I will say Tom Hanks is is just in a league of his own. And if Mm -hmm. I ever were to be stranded and unable to communicate with anyone, Tom Hanks is the one that I would want to scoop me up, to put me on a wagon and to take me home to Texas. I love him. I was going to say, if I ever grow so rich (laughs) that I just decide, you know, I hate social media. I hate the news. I hate all that. I'm just going to like cut you myself off. You don't feel off. that way already? No, I do. Oh, okay. But I feel like I don't have the uh, tools to survive without having this knowledge of like what's going on in the world, you know? Yeah. Maybe not the tools, but like it feels like I need to like know what's going on. But if you're like rich, you can just cut yourself off and then like just have someone come tell you what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And I, oh, would, yeah. I would hire Tom Hanks to just come tell me the news. 100%. I have him because, sit up on that little, you know, soapbox. Yeah. Have his little monocle. Yes. Just I'd make him put on the old fashioned Western tux, like everything. Yeah. 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 I just feel like he has, it's just, it's just perfect. It's I feel really like your, your life would be so much more fulfilled, so much happier with him weeding out the bad things or mm-hmm. maybe not even weeding them out, but just adding a bit of flair to them. Mm. Just makes it makes it all the better. Yeah, um, I will say so. So every year, I did enjoy this film a lot. I saw it in theaters. I think it benefits from being seen in theaters sure. as you know it has a large scope. It's a western. Um, I do think that there are elements of CGI and just elements of editing, specifically in action, um, that feel undercooked. Yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, which is surprising. Like I said, Paul Greengrass is famous for his action, but he's also famous for very intimate action scenes. Um, hmm. Like anyone who's familiar with the Bourne yeah. trilogy, yeah. You know, shaky cam. Like he started shaky cam fights for worse, honestly, because he actually did them quite well. Like the the apartment knife fight from yes. the born identity yes is a master class in yes. action editing uh-huh. however everyone who tried to repeat shaking him after that in action just devolved into like an excuse to not really show well choreographed action hmm. i think um like 
the first Hunger Games. You know, any yeah. anytime action starts in that film, you're like, I don't know what's going on. It's just a blur. Yeah. The camera's yeah. just moving, and I'm just supposed to understand. You no, know, and I hear it like hitting. Um, but he's he's great at that kind of interaction, which is which is interesting just to see him take on a film of the scale. Even films that he's made. I mean, he made a film that was extremely famous. Um, honestly, in my opinion, the best film made about 9-11 called United 93. Now he took on 9-11. That's a huge subject. Yeah. That's, you know, large scale. Yeah. But he told a very intimate story about 9-11 and, and, and ultimately made probably the most effective film about, um, about that event ever made. Yeah. So to see him tackle a movie like this felt like a strange move, uh, but it also just a very safe move, um, mm. which is a little disappointing, but also like, you know, do what you want. Like, yeah. it's not it's not bad. I don't think it's detrimental to his career. And if he's at the point where he wants to make this, like, you know, go for it. Um, and so so I did enjoy it. It's definitely like a family movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are elements that might be a little intense for children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely action. There's definitely some violence, but for the most part, it's pretty like well-rounded, I would say. Uh, I think anyone could watch this movie and enjoy this movie. Um, and that brings me to every year there's, there's a movie or movies that kind of stumble into award season like this. And, and part of you feels like, I don't know if they should really be in this talk. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know if they should be up there with these other films. However, you can't really deny that they're just a really well-made film. Hmm. You know, there's, and, and this one, maybe not as strong. I don't feel as strongly about news of the world as some of years past examples of this, but like last year, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. You and I talked about this when it came to the end of the year and you see, you see parasite, you know, yeah. you see the Irishman and then you see Ford versus Ferrari along the list of like best picture nominations part of you is like really like the mm-hmm. race car movie along with those guys however watch that movie oh yeah and tell me it is not just an expertly crafted movie in every single aspect yeah um which is funny because james mangold director of that self-proclaimed western lover paul greengrass self-proclaimed western lover westerns in my opinion are you know they are the the original form of american film storytelling yeah Yeah. you know that is like one of the only things or art that like we have westerns like all other forms of american art we took from other places or whatever but like as far as hollywood goes yeah westerns started it off there were films going on in other places and we eventually kind of adapted those like samurai um were kind of jet japan's japan's version of like westerns or whatever kind of like a western for better or worse is very much black and white you literally have like black hats white hats kind of thing mm-hmm. and it is just like the basic fundamentals of storytelling um and so they often make for these types of films that are just solid all the way through uh and i think directors who really really love westerns just make good movies great directors yeah. make great movies paul greengrass is a great great director james mangold director of ford vs ferrari is a great director And so you give them projects like this. And while there may not be like that special something to really elevate it Mm -hmm. to the same league as its competition or its peers in this award season, you also can't really 
tell it that it's not, that it doesn't um, deserve to be where it's at. Yeah. I would say, maybe you don't feel the same about this film. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying that news of the world is like the strongest example of that. Sure. But I think for me, at least one movie every year kind of makes that, that kind of distinction. And I would say that this is kind of 2020s, News of the World is 2020s version of that movie. Yeah. To yeah. Me. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Oscar nominations come out tomorrow morning. They will already be out by the time y'all yeah. listen to this. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens. And I'm very much looking forward to it. We'll see if these I. two make it on the list. Mm-hmm. We feel like they will. That's why they're here. Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. So we'll see. <laughs> but we will see. All right. I think that's all. That's it. Do you have anything left to say about uh, News of the World? I have nothing else. Those are my thoughts. Do you have anything? Do you want to make any proclamations about, you know, what might or might not happen to horses in the next bit of time and how you may or may not react to that thing happening? Just in case it happens, you know. I just, I just want to. I know you like to do that. I just want to say to all the horses out there, thanks for (laughs) listening and for being a part of this podcast with us. I really value you. And I know that Wyatt may not um, value your life as much as I do, but (laughs) I'm here. I'm with you. And nay, nay. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm very tired. Uh, but that's okay. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, as always, if you're listening, if you're enjoying this, please reach out to us. Let us know. Please reach out to us if you've watched these movies. We want to know what you thought about these movies as well. Um, so, yeah, talk to us. We're available on Instagram, Twitter. Also, you probably just like have our numbers. So if you're listening to it at this point, um, because it's all basically just family and friends at this point, uh, which is okay. That's how you start. Um, But yeah, let us let us know what you think. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. I have a feeling this episode's going to be shorter.